it's your story. Own it. Like you are you and there's no one else like you. And that is really important and really valuable. And, and people can see through inauthenticity, you know? And so even if you're not like flat out lying or something, but if you're not showing up fully as yourself, like on an energetic level, people can feel that. I'm Doug Bobst personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about something that I think gets so overlooked. And that is uh, overworking and burning out and workaholism. Uh, because so many of us struggle when we're passionate and we're going after something that we struggle to find balance, right? We have a family life, we got personal things going on. And then when we're working a ton, you know, if we're not careful, it can lead to draining ourselves. Um, to the point where you're literally very unproductive at home, you're unproductive in the workplace, your health starts falling apart. And it's become a big issue, especially now with people trying to hustle and get everything together with, you know, being hurt financially and during the pandemic with having all this time with COVID. So I wanted to bring on uh, my dear friend, Lauren Salon, who has experienced this herself. Lauren, um, today, you know, she's a she runs a very successful PR and marketing agency. She's a media personality, a speaker and entrepreneur. And she's also been a former health coach, trainer, fitness model, and competitor. But um, it wasn't long ago that Lauren was working 60 to 80 hours a week and burning out. And really, she became addicted to her work to the point where it really started to have other areas of her life suffer. And so she walks um, us through how she was able to heal from that and that now she's having her own marketing agency where she helps other entrepreneurs get their message out there and show up what they've got. And she's also doing a lot to inspire others with her own story as well. So for those of you who have ever felt like you're overworking and not getting what you deserve, or you're just not sure if you're worthy of you know being known in the industry that you're in, or you're just really kind of struggling to find balance and you feel that your energy is just being depleted and depleted and you're not taking care of yourself, then this episode is a must listen for you. So without further ado, I want to welcome my dear friend, Lauren Salon the Adversity Advantage podcast. Lauren, thank you so much for hopping on. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited to chat with you. Yeah, I am too. I mean, there's, I see so much of myself in your story in so many ways from your background as a trainer to, you know, diving into MLM a little bit, also to helping people get exposure to their brands and, you know, the power of mastermind, which is how you and I met. So yeah. I want to kind of open it up a little bit because I I think right now, obviously, you're pretty dialed in in your mission in helping brands get the exposure that they deserve, helping people, you know, tell their story on different media outlets and other things that you have going on. But I know like a while back, you were so like scattered in like workaholicism, work, however you call it, right? Yep. That it kind of like shackled you a bit, led to some depression, led to some anxiety, so talk a bit about that, like where and where, if it comes from somewhere, I don't know if it's, it comes from something oh in your gosh, childhood yeah. or, or what, but like, talk a bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, this could, this could be a long story. So I will 
And such a good question too, by the way. So absolutely, absolutely. I would say hundred percent recovering workaholic control freak over here. And that is something that is, has been really challenging to shift out of and to kind of break those habits. Cause I don't know about you. I know that's something that you've kind of played with before as well. Like the, the need to like do, do, do all the things, go, go, go nonstop, always be so busy, whatever. And there can be a lot of really great rewards to operating that way. You know, like you accomplish a lot when you're going nonstop, you it look really impressive and like are busy and have all this stuff going on. And that looks great from the outside a lot of the times and can be extremely exhausting and and yeah, like you said, lead to anxiety, lead to depression. And for me, it's honestly, I've always been very go, 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 do all the things. And I think, yes, absolutely. That comes from things in childhood. I mean, I have wonderful parents who raised me and my siblings like so well. And we had like, you know, any anything we could want, experiences, education, you name it. And I also grew up like, with very high expectations from my parents mm. and in my family to, you know, like get straight A's, like do all the sports, do music, do everything, which, you know, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but my entire life, it was like, yeah, you're going to do all the things. And the goal is to be the best at all the things. And so that creates a recipe for burnout, do going nonstop. And when you don't feel overloaded and don't feel like you're super busy and have no time, that feels wrong. Right. And so constantly adding more crap to your plate, whether you need to or not. And so I, I found myself like even in college, double majored in college, I did a ton of singing in school after deciding not to play soccer in college. Like, so everything always go, go, go nonstop. And my last job that I was at before becoming an entrepreneur and working for myself, I was at a um, PR agency working like 60 to 80 hours a week, which was exhausting, tons of burnout there. That's like, you know, we'll, we'll get into that probably at some point. But then when I left to work for myself, I left for two key reasons because I wasn't passionate about working in, I was working in the hospital industry at that last agency. And that's not really where my interests are. I think mm. we were doing important work, but not what I, I wanted to do long-term and not what I was excited to learn more about once I came home sort of thing. And also because I wanted to have more freedom and flexibility over my schedule and like how I work, when I work, you know, fit my work around my life rather than life around my work. And so what happened with that, I like went out and started doing my own thing. And about six months into that, I was doing PR consulting, social media consulting, that kind of stuff. I realized like, and, and it hit me like this very clear moment. I'm responding to a text message from a client at like 10 30 PM. Who's requesting. I make a change to like a press release or something like that. That wasn't an emergency. It wasn't urgent. It wasn't time sensitive for that day. And here I am on my phone, basically being an employee to this client and then going, oh my gosh, what the heck am I doing? Isn't this the sort of situation I wanted to get out of? Like, why am I not sticking to my boundaries? Right. right. And then I also noticed, and this took like a few years to, to figure out, I started noticing, you know, like, okay, a year or two, like two years into entrepreneurship and I don't feel like I have enough time. 
and I'm working nonstop and doing all the things. And I always have 20 projects going on and my bank account is not delivering the results that I quote unquote should be having based on how hard I'm working. And so that was one of the things where I was another big wake up call with this, you know, overachiever, workaholic, go, go, go thing. That's like so deeply ingrained where I looked up and I was like, oh crap. I don't have a boss who's quote unquote making me do this. I am the boss and I still feel like this. I still feel like I don't have enough space in my life, whether that's mentally, emotionally, in my schedule, you name it. Uh Uh-oh, there's a big problem and I'm the one who's doing it. How do I rewire myself to get out of that? Because at the end of the day, that's not how I want to feel in my day-to-day life. Yet it had been so deeply ingrained, this need to perform, achieve, do all the things, be great at every single thing was so deeply ingrained since like childhood, you yeah. know, that I mean, what I, I was, it was what, hard to break. Yeah. I mean, I think what I was going to say is I, I, I'm just, as I'm hearing you tell this story, I'm, it's all, a lot of it's coming together, right? It just seems that, and I can relate that, you know, as a kid, when expectations are put on you so that like, you know, you, you always have to keep doing something and a B is not good yeah. enough. You got to get the A you know, you got to run the faster mile time. You got to do this. You got to do that. Subconsciously, that's all, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, even and, when you right? Yeah. And one of the things for me too, that I didn't totally touch on, you know, full transparency, like my parents argued a lot growing up. And so that sort of, and like I said, like I wouldn't trade like how I was raised for anything. And, but there was a lot of arguing in my house growing up. And so when you have, as a, as a little kid, when you have that chaos and that stress going on on a pretty consistent basis like here i am going well i don't want to rock the boat anymore so i need to do everything right and like just keep going and performing and getting all this good stuff happening because if i don't that adds more stress to an already chaotic and stressful situation so that was like so deeply ingrained in me like no 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 we have to do everything right do all the things and be perfect and be great at everything or else like we get in trouble or like we add more stress or it's another thing to argue about, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think I remember I was sitting in my therapist's office and my life was like on paper, really good. I was making great money. I was like so focused on my mission, my purpose, like I was fit, but I was like so stressed. I was like, why am I stressed Mm -hmm. out? And I remember my therapist like started asking about my childhood. She's like, how'd you grow up? And I told her, you know, I grew up in a divorced home and there was a lot of tension and she was just like, you know, you're, that's all you're, that's all, you know, so your body homeostasis for you is chaos and tension yes. and un, unhinged environments. So if, if everything's good, like subconsciously, your body is going to force you back into tension because that's all it knows. Yes. And, it, and it took a lot of awareness around that because once you have the awareness, it's a superpower. But I think so many people walk through life and they they figure they wonder like why they're stressed out or why they're this, why they're that. And they think it's just because they need to be stressed. And they don't go back and realize like, oh, like this is how I'm programmed. I need to reprogram yeah. myself, right? It, and, yes. You know, and I think if we continue to look at ourselves in the mirror and do the work, unpack those things then we have a good chance of having healthier relationships, not only with other people, but with ourselves and Mm -hmm. and work and that work-life balance. And I think it seems like from just like hearing you share about your experience with the workaholic, like 
you were used to your parents kind of being like the boss, if you will. Like you like were used to having them be like, Hey Lauren, like, here's what we need from you. Here's what you got to do that. When you became your own boss, you're like, well, I got to keep working because like, who am I? You know, like you're not used to it and you're not used to respecting yourself and your own boundaries. So then it takes sometimes us burning out to mm-hmm. like really realizing like, all right, I need to set some better expectations for myself. So what are some of the things that you've done kind of rebounding from that to kind of put yourself in a better position? Because I still see you're a hustler, you get stuff done, you get hyper-focused, but I also, th- I also at least seems like you have some boundaries with your schedule, your time. Like, so what are some steps you took to get yourself to where you are today with that? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it, it's been like such a work in progress over the last, I've been working for myself for six years now. Like this, I think the like do, 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 go nonstop, take too much on, that's been like probably one of the biggest opportunities for growth for me in my entrepreneurial journey. And like, you know, resisting the urge to go, go, go and go nonstop sort of thing and be a workaholic. And it's still something I work on all the time. And so some of the things for me that were really helpful were starting to have like a morning routine, a morning ritual that included meditation, gratitudes, like visualization, like all that woo woo stuff, you know, that years ago I would have been like, Oh, that's bull crap. Like you don't need to do that, whatever, you know, and then starting to do that. And y'all like, I started with like two minutes of meditation. I'm not like my morning ritual when I first started was like 10 minutes max, because Mm -hmm. that's how little patience I had to slow down and like do that stuff. Cause I was like, but I need to check my emails. I need to whatever, you know? And so it would give me anxiety to even just start my day with me. And so, but I knew that it was so important to start my day with me, start my day grounded, not start my day reactionary by opening up emails, opening up social media, getting right into work mode, but even just carving out five to 10 minutes to say, no, Lauren, you, your boundaries, your mental health, that comes first. So that was a really powerful step for me. And then I, as, as you mentioned already, we met in a mastermind and I, since I, even at my last job, we did some professional development type stuff, which I always loved. But since going out on my own and becoming an entrepreneur, I have always found so much value in masterminds or coaches or just that collaborative, like community support type of, of structure and ongoing personal and professional development. And so at this point, I think it's like three years ago, I did a really intensive leadership development and emotional intelligence program. That was a four month program. And I went into that because I was like, because of exactly what I said before, like, I feel like I have no space. This is what I was saying back then. I feel like I have no space mentally, emotionally with my time, like, and I'm the boss. I'm the one in control of this. And I keep doing this to myself. So how the heck do I stop doing this? Cause it's not about you know, it's not about learning a new system or a new strategy or different tactics and to do's and organization and stuff like that. It's the like internal soul rewiring that needs to happen to shift that and to shift how you operate, like the unlearning you mentioned. And so I did that program, which was so, so powerful because for me and for a lot of people who are the high achieving over, you know, overachieving workaholic control freak type. Um, A lot of it, like you said, comes from that need to control or have chaos, feeling very Mm -hmm. comfortable with both of those, either tons of chaos 
or tons of control. We like that, right? People, people like, like me. Um, but then it also is very rooted in self-worth and self-worth issues, if you will, because I know for me, I was finding so much worth, like almost all my worth in how it looked on the outside and all those impressive accomplishments and how busy I was like a badge of honor. I'm so busy because I have so much going on, whatever, you know? And so for me, it was being able to really, you know, embark on this, you know, lifelong journey of like, of worthiness really, and rooting my worthiness in me and how I just show up in the world and not in everything that I'm doing. Right. But just how I'm being as a human. And so that was a big turning point for me. And then it continues to be that lesson that always pops up, you know, that worthiness thing. And no, 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 you are worthwhile and you are incredible separate from the accomplishments and the work and looking busy and all of that. So that was, that was a big turning point for me. And then, yeah, dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression. Like I, we talked about this a little before we recorded and we've, we've talked about this before, but last year, so in 2019, I dealt with depression for the first time. I have dealt with anxiety. I think I started having anxiety experiences of anxiety when I was in college and they've been pretty like off and on, but pretty like consistently something I get to play with for the last several years at this point, like 10 years, I guess. Thankfully, I don't really like, I've been like anxiety free, I'd say for the last two months, which is amazing. Even not even like having little blips of it. But last year, my anxiety shifted from shifted into rather depression, which was very new for me. And my experience with depression was literally like, I wasn't excited about my business. I wasn't feeling inspired or motivated. I didn't feel like myself at all because that feeling of not wanting to like go nonstop and not wanting to show up and, and add value. And like, that is unfamiliar for me, not like feeling unmotivated. That's weird to me, like personally. And And so I was in this space where I'm dealing like with very real depression and unmotivated. I don't have energy to work on my business. I was also, which we talked about dealing with some like physical stuff that resulted in like sciatica type pain. So like a lot of nerve pain anytime I would sit down for more than five minutes. So literally like mentally and emotionally from the depression, physically from the like hip stuff I had going on like my body, my brain, everything is telling me you don't get to sit down in front of the computer for hours and hours on end because you don't have the energy for it. And so, so for me with depression, like, obviously that's a big, like alarm going off that there's something that gets to heal and process. And for me too, it was like, okay, if I have three hours a day to work and be productive, because that's all I feel like my body can do, whether it's physically out of discomfort or emotionally because of motivation. Like if I've got three hours, I better make those three hours matter. Right. And so for me, it was like, I was forced into a corner to figure out how to be more of a ninja with my time. And I'm really grateful for that because as much as it sucked, one, I'm grateful that I was still able to be quite high functioning and still able to work and all of that. I'm also grateful that it did back me into a corner to really get that like time situation, like my, you know, to help me rethink my relationship with time and really realize that no, you don't have to work 12, 15, 16 hour days 
to, to get all the things done. Like you can have four hour work days, you know, like, and so that was, that was a big, like slap in the face. So I don't, I, that's not really like a helpful tactic. Like, Oh, just spend a year being depressed and it'll help you stop being an over <laughs> a workaholic. But those for me, like it came down to me not listening to myself and literally like my body, my soul, everything needed to be like, listen, chick, if you're not going to listen to the whispers and the little nudges to slow down and to create more space, then we're going to force it on you. Is pretty much what happened. Yeah. And I think, you know, I commend you for being so open with, with sharing about that because I think especially us that are in the health and wellness community and we're in the self-help world, we, people expect us to never go through times of, you know, anxiety or depression or stress. And it's like, no, it's just, I think it goes back to the way we handle it so much different than a lot of others. Right. I know for me, I went through a period of depression, you know, over the, over the course of the past several years too, just ups and downs Mm -hmm. and stuff and didn't feel like myself at times. And I think what really helped me, like, I'm sure that it seems like it helped you was just getting refocused on myself and taking my, getting my priorities, like, like back in line. And it's funny, I I hired a coach a few months ago and we were just talking and he just said to me, he's like, I feel that you've had so much success professionally in your life that it it is taken away from, you know, some of the other stuff that you've had to work on, like Mm. in your past, like healing from your past. Right. And because I started to notice different patterns like coming back up in my life that I was like, huh, like, why is this happening? Like, why is this coming up again? And, yeah. you know, that was one of the things he said was, you know, I, I honestly think like you've accomplished so much, but it, and it's taken away, not taken away, but it's like, it's kind of giving you this ride. But at the same time, you you have to kind of look back and say, okay, like if this pattern's repeating itself, like where's the, where's the gap that needs yeah. to be worked on. Right. Well, and, and because like I said, kind of earlier, it's when we get rewarded for how we're operating and how we're showing up, it tells us that this works, this works, mm. keep doing it that way. And so, yeah, the like workaholic overachiever thing, it produces results and success, you know, like shit, like, I, from all that, like nonstop, go, 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 like intense energy. Like, yeah, I have done a, a, and like you, like a lot of really impressive things, a lot of amazing things. And people are like, oh my gosh, I don't know how you do all this sort of thing. And I'm like, oh, no big deal. You know, meanwhile, feeling exhausted on like a deep, deep Mm. soul level and feeling like the next thing, it's never enough. You know, it's never enough. It's never enough. I got to get another one. Or if I slow down or like, take a day off. I'm worthless sort of thing. Like literally I've said that. I remember um, a good girlfriend of mine and this was before I went into that program. She, she was talking to me and she's like, Lauren, and I'm telling her like, I don't know how to get out of my own way and, and create more space in my life because I'm the problem. So what Mm. the heck do I do? And she asked me, she's like, Lauren, when, like, if I were to tell you to take the entire day off tomorrow and just watch Netflix all day, how would that make you feel? And I was like, ugh. I said, <laughs> ugh, worthless. Yeah. And she goes, did you hear what you just said? And I like, I think I probably started crying or something. It was like, oh my gosh, I get it. And, and so that's the thing. Like we attach so much of our worth into these accomplishments and success because operating that way has created a lot of great things, you know, and it creates a lot of stuff we don't want to. So, so yeah, exactly what, like, I, I love that you shared that because 
it is like, yeah, the, if we get results that we want, you know, we keep operating that way. And so we don't look at the stuff that's not working because, well, like the ends justify the means, I guess. So if I have to burn out to get these results, fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, you're so right. And I remember like one of my best friends, he's like been a mentor of mine. He's like, you have, we all have mentors that we know about, right? We all have like, you know, the Chris and Lori Harders and stuff like that. But there's also mentors in our life. I'm sure you have too, that no one knows who they are. Right. Yeah. And this guy, my buddy, like, no, like he's not like a big name or whatever, but he's been a, as big of a mentor to me as yeah, anyone. Amazing. Right. Yes. But I remember him saying to me, he's like, cause like there's a lot of people that are like jealous, I guess, jealous of the success I've had and that people like would have loved to have had a story like mine where they were able to have it, be able to articulate it in a way to be able to do this and that. And I remember looking at him like, man, like I would love to, honestly, like I, I thank you for saying that, but I'd love to have your life, man, where you're like married, yeah, you're, you're, settled, like, you're in a happy <laughs> marriage, you got two kids, you know, you're like going on family vacations, you're doing all, I'm like, honestly, like I, I, I there's like, yeah, sometimes like, real fun, all of that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I would love, I mean, I would love to like, to have that. Like there's, and so my point is like, if you're listening to this or, or how you're watching this, however you're consuming it, just know that like. Like, do you like you, we all have our own yeah. story, right? We all have our own like mission in life and our own path. Like don't compare it to mine or to Lauren's or to whoever else you follow, because if you do, you're going to lose every time because you're right. just, you're, you're running someone else's race. And, yeah. and I think in, we're going to get into the PR world, the branding world. But I think one of the things that we'll agree on is that in order to succeed as a brand and succeed as an entrepreneur, you know, blogger, whatever your craft is in the online world you have to be so unapologetically like mm. authentic in who you are and yes. what you're doing that separates you from everybody else. Because you can want to be like Angie Lee or, you know, or Lori or Chris or whoever, whoever else is big in the entrepreneur community now, but like that's them. And they'll tell you the same thing. They'll yeah. tell you like, I, I mean, I don't want to be anyone else yeah, other than me, right? The, the comparison thing is real, yeah. you know, and you can always look at somebody else and like have the, the grass is greener type of thoughts and be like, well, this is happening for them because of this or no, 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 It's not happening for me because of blah, blah, blah. And exactly what you were saying, like we are all unique and whether you feel like your story is important or impressive or whatever, like it's your story own it. Like you are you and there's no one else like you. And that is really important and really valuable. And, and people can see through inauthenticity, you know? And so even if you're not like flat out lying or something, but if you're not showing up fully as yourself, like on an energetic level, people can feel that. And, and so, yeah, so owning, like, like you said, like unapologetically owning who you are and your story, like that that's what matters and that's what makes the difference and that would that's what draws people to you is when you show up so like yourself that yeah that, that's I think where where the magic happens and in and in what both of uh, like us do in our careers and in our businesses like it is so much about helping people show up as themselves in a really powerful way and and use their experience and their story to to make a difference and to connect with more people. Oh, that's so true. And so, right. So I'm going to crack you. I'm going to try and crack you open a little bit. Cause I always try to crack <laughs> you up on the show. Okay. Let's do it. Let's get All real. right. All right. So I know right now you have been able to partner with your like dream brands, right? You think about your clients and I heard you talk about, they're like clients yeah. that are like are so, so aligned with your soul and what you do that you like, 
it's almost like you enjoy, you know, getting up and, and working and for them. Like, yeah, no matter not what. almost like I do. I know. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, but what I mean is almost like at no matter what, like drop of the hat, like, you know, you talk about the 1030 client you're texting, but these clients are ones you would text sometimes at 2am just because you love how aligned they are with you so much. Right. Yes. And I, mean, I will I'm, say with that, like, like I, I have literally said out loud so many times that I like one of my dreams and goals is to do work, like to work with my friends. Right. Exactly. So to like pay my friends for things and their services and to have my friends pay me. And I'm not saying like all my clients are like my besties or anything, but yeah, like I am obsessed with my clients. So whether it's on in my PR agency or in my PR program, like I freaking love every single human that works with me. And I also like hire my friends and I work with my friends. So, and that is such a beautiful, that's like delicious to me to have that energetic exchange financially, uh, you know, educationally, service-wise, whatever it is, products, like that is my dream to like, to do business with people that I freaking love and, and people whose missions and visions I can align with. And that doesn't mean that I only work with people who like have the same passions as me or interests as me or whatever. Like, but as long as I can like link arms and be like, Oh my gosh, I see what you're doing in the world. And I think it's awesome. Let's freaking like help make this get even bigger. Like that, that's what gets me super energized. And yeah, I, like you said, like I'm obsessed with my clients. They're awesome. And it has been like literally dream clients that I wrote on like have written down names of like five years ago at this point or whatever, it would be great to work with so-and-so they've become clients, you know, and friends and or mentors, or I've become clients of theirs, like, you know, in all the different ways. And, and with the like 10 30 PM thing that you mentioned, like I still, I don't, I don't, I don't actually do that anymore because of the boundaries thing more for me. Like, oh yeah, it's more about like training myself. No, no, no. Like, is this necessary to email at 12 AM? You know, like, no, it's not. You can save it as a draft and then follow through on appropriate boundaries for yourself and send it out at 8 AM the next day or 9 AM, you know, because I think that's really important, not just for ourselves to keep those boundaries, but also for our clients and, and showing our clients how we want to be treated because I don't want a client to email me at 2 AM and expect a, a, a response within an hour, you know, like that's, unreasonable. And so I don't want to set the example of that either. Right. No, a hundred percent. And I think it's awesome that you have created something. It takes time. It's not like you just woke up one day and we're like, Oh, like I think in three days I'm going to land X, Y, and Z clients. And I'm going to be super happy because I call my best friends. It's like taking time. So what I wanted to ask is right now you're in the business and crushing it in PR and branding of helping people tell their story in an authentic way. I always think I mean, just in a lot of the people I've interviewed that there's some sort of pain or insecurity that's beneath that, that comes from being mm. authentic. So what I wanted to ask you, and you can share as much as you'd like is, was there any like insecurities that you had maybe growing up or maybe in your twenties oh of not being authentic and trying to be somebody else that has inspired you now to help brands be themselves? Ooh, such a good question. I would say, so if we go back to what I said in the yeah. beginning of the like overachiever stuff, like from a young age and that like feeling like there's a lot of chaos and stress in the home life just because of parents not getting along and arguing right. and stuff like that. Like for me, it's, I had this for a really long time, like people pleaser 
urge. Mm. So it's like that. Yeah. Like do be perfect. Uh, so it's like an overachiever perfectionism, people pleaser thing like, Oh, don't like, you know, do everything right so that you don't get bad feedback. Like look, look good sort of thing. So like, so everything's perfect. So you don't have to like be vulnerable or show weakness or anything like that. So that's where a lot of that for me came from. Like, so resistant to showing any vulnerability. Like I used to like resist crying in front of people like so hard. And now I'm like, cry. I cry like multiple times a week. Sometimes I'm like posted on Instagram stories and shit, you know, <laughs> like, but I used to resist getting emotional or showing like weakness, quote unquote, so much. And I don't know, I don't think I recognized it back then as like why or where that came from. But like literally crying in front of people was like my like worst fear, you know, or like looking dumb or bad or anything like that. And so it wasn't necessarily like, I I will say that I've always been quite confident in myself and self-assured and still had that people pleaser perfectionist stuff going on for a while. And it's still sometimes I, I often will have to check myself if I, in my gut, like something feels off and yet I'm compelled to do something anyway. I'm like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this? Because like, I feel like I have to like, because I'm trying to make this other person feel better. And is that the right intention? Like, am I watering down my own words because I'm scared of hurting their feelings when I should just speak truthfully and honestly, like what, what's my motivation. And so, so yeah, the people pleaser thing. Yeah. I think that does come down to an insecurity of looking bad looking weak, whatever it is, uh, like serious resistance to vulnerability for sure. Mm. And even for so long, once I started like tapping into more vulnerability, it was like, yes, I'll be vulnerable until here. So it's like only the layer of vulnerability that I'm comfortable with and I will not cross that line. And, and that's not true vulnerability, right? Like, so, so working on actually being vulnerable, saying stuff that like people may not like, you know, being okay to admit if you've been wrong, like all this stuff, it's, it's a lot of work. And at the end of the day, I think like, you know, this, cause I've seen you talk about it a lot. When we own the crap that we are scared of about ourselves and that we think makes us look bad or makes us less than, or that we feel ashamed by when we own that, we take away its power. Mm. And so whether it's mistakes that we've made or things that have happened to us, when we claim that it's not as scary, which like, it feels like life or death sometimes that you're clinging on to that. Like I, you know, way back when, when I was so resistant to vulnerability and crying and stuff like that, like it felt like life or death, you know, don't let other people see you cry or get emotional or anything like that. Like, and then you start like letting go of that and you're like, and I didn't die <laughs> you know? right, right. and we'll be okay. All right. And so then less like, you know, the arrows that may come in, they can't get you. Yeah. It's like that scene from, I don't, I bring this up a lot. That scene. I don't know if you've seen eight mile where at the end, like Eminem's like rapping with the guy and he's getting ready and they, the other rappers getting ready to like throw all of Eminem's like baggage out there. And Eminem comes out and yeah. pretty much just does it does himself, it then yeah. drops the mic and what walks now? off. He's like, what? Like, wh and then that's kind of like how it is in, in life. I think at least in, you know, with, with sharing your message and sharing your story, I think the more vulnerable you can be on, social media and in podcasts and just without like being like a victim, right? Like you don't want to, like, yeah. I don't think you want to come and have people feeling sorry for you, but the more you can own your stuff, 
like the less likely you have to worry about like the judgment of like, Oh, I wonder yeah. if they're going to find out like who I really am. Or I wonder if they're going to find out like about this or like, cause they all know. And is, yeah. and I think there's so much power in that because I think one of the biggest disservices that we do, we have done with social media is we're not as authentic as we could be, I mm -hmm. think in times. And because of that, social so media has got such, yeah. such a bad rap because now it's like thought of as like, Oh, like, I'm playing this comparison game. I'm comparing my life to somebody else. It's that else. highlight reel yeah. so much of the time, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I guess, yeah. And I guess what I've tried to separate myself with is just being like, I don't, not the opposite. Like I don't get on there and just like post like, you know, me with like messy hair or me, whatever, like all the time. <laughs> but I'm also like sharing like in real time, like my struggles, like this is what I'm going through and this is yeah. how I'm managing it. So what I want to ask you about is, so what I really think that you do an incredible job at is coaching people through like times of, of adversity when, when putting their message out there with brands. So what are Thank some, some things you're doing right now with some of your clients to help them kind of share what they have going on, even like through this transition with COVID and everything else so that they can get, you know, visibility in a way that serves their business the, in the proper way. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, great question. So in my PR program, in the PR accelerator, so we work with a number of entrepreneurs to get their message out there, book media, all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. so they can scale their business, bring, bring in more money, all of that. And the the biggest thing that we often work with everyone on in, in that group is the mindset stuff. So mm -hmm. the comparison, the imposter syndrome, like on a weekly basis, somebody being like, Oh my gosh, so-and-so got back to me about being on their podcast, which is crazy. I would have never thought, you know? And so it's reminding people that they have a, a important voice and an important message and they get to share it, you know, and, and which sounds so simple, but right. it's a lot of what I do like in the group program is giving our clients, giving our members permission to show up mm. and to like feel amazing too, because I think we also downplay our achievements sometimes. And, and sometimes it can be like, Oh, well, in the name of humility, you know, I, but also like we get to own our genius, you know, and our magic and what we're really good at and share that because like, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're not owning what you do and talking about it, how are people going to know what you do mm. and like be able to hire you? Like, how are you going to have a business? And if you really believe in, that service, that product, that offer that you have, that like solution you have for the world or how you make people's lives better through your business. If you really believe in that, then you have an obligation to share about it and like share about it unapologetically. And so, so yeah, one of the biggest things we do with our clients is to remind them to like push the imposter syndrome out of the way, just stop comparing. Like we, we had somebody this week who was like, yeah, I'm prepping for this interview that I have coming up on a podcast and I was listening to some episodes to get ready and they interviewed somebody who had their own Netflix series, you know, and then she's going, um, you know, my, my client is like, Oh my gosh, like I don't have anything that impressive. Like what the heck? Why am I like, I shouldn't even be on this podcast. Why are they interviewing me? You know, those questions coming up and all we have to say is like, okay. And they said yes. And they scheduled with you you, that should be enough of a confirmation that you're worthy of being on that show. So tell the other stuff, those limiting beliefs and that imposter syndrome to shut up and sit down and stop comparing yourself because you have massive value to add in your lane, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's one of the biggest things. Cause, and, and I think that's often one of the things 
with, and you probably can agree with me on this. One of the biggest things that gets in the way of like leaders, influencers, entrepreneurs, sharing their story, seeking out more media, more interviews, podcasts, you know, you name it is the worthiness stuff, the imposter syndrome stuff, the comparison, like that's the biggest thing that gets in the way for people. Yeah. yeah. And I think you're right. And I think people have to remember that, like you just said, they booked you to come on the show. So they're obviously interested in your story and what you have going on just because you don't have, you know, a New York times bestselling book or a documentary or whatever. It doesn't mean that you don't have anything important to share. And I remember yeah. firsthand, I experienced this myself. I remember when I got booked to go on impact theory, I saw these guests. Yeah. I mean, like Jay Shetty and Mel Robbins yeah. and Lewis Howes and Gary Vee and Tim, like all these people. And I'm like, well, why, how, where do I fit in? And I remember I had like an anxiety attack on my way to the interview Yeah, and I'm like starstruck in there. And I'm just sharing this because it's, it still happens to pe to people who are yeah do this stuff. But I think what, what I had to remember, what helped me was that we're all humans. Right. And mm -hmm. we all have a gift to share. And like you said, I love what you say about owning your genius, because if so many more entrepreneurs could just look at their gifts, like what they're good at, what they've been able to accomplish in their life and be like, all right, how can I share this with the world so that they don't have to go through the crap that I went through or that I can mm -hmm. help them with when they're going through something similar, like game over. But yeah. so many times we tend to like compare ourselves to what other influencers or entrepreneurs or podcasts or whatever, you know, zone of genius you're in or what they're doing. You're like, well, I'm not doing that. So how can I expect to grow? And I think everybody had to start where we are. Everybody had to start at, your, at a chapter one. Not everyone got to chapter 20, you know, overnight. No one did. So yeah. enjoy the climb. You'll learn all the lessons and grow through that. So you have this PR accelerator program, which I honestly like, I think it's such a tremendous idea and concept because you kind Thank of you. take PR, which, you know, not to knock publicists themselves, because I think there's obviously a time and place for that, but you kind of help people work through getting their own, doing their own stuff themselves, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, like, unless you're a, you know, huge brand where you can have a PR firm on retainer every month, eventually the money runs out. And you got to learn how to do it yourself. So like, how does what you do separate from like a typical like PR firm, like that you have yeah. to pay like tons of money every month on a retainer? Right, right, right. Yeah. So my business is kind of, and thank you very much for those nice words. So my business is kind of like two, there are like two prongs to it, if mm. you will. So we, we do have a more traditional agency department structure. I don't know what we would call it, but um, where I have a team who we're working on like one-on-one -on -one clients doing everything A to Z for them when it comes to their PR. And then the other side of things, which is what you started, you know, we're talking about is my PR accelerator program, which right. I created for scaling entrepreneurs to help them learn how to do PR themselves and, mm. and secure media placements that will help move the needle for their goals, you know? And, and I created it because I, was doing agency PR work, you know, one-on-one -on -one, like big projects for like multi-million dollar clients and getting a lot of questions from my peers, from friends about PR and people, a lot of people saying, I need to hire you. I need help with my PR, but I don't feel like I'm ready to hire an agency or I don't have the budget for that right now. And I, but I don't want to do it myself. And so, so many people who have been in business a couple years, they've had many client successes, you know, and, and things are going well in their business and, but they're working a lot 
and they know that PR and more visibility is going to help them get to the next level, but they don't know where to start. They don't want to spend all the time like Googling all the free stuff and figuring it out themselves and like going in a ton of different directions to figure out the quote unquote, like right path to take. They, at the end of the day, also don't want to spend a ton of time doing it themselves really. And, and so I wanted to create a solution that was in the middle, you know, between all the free stuff and actually hiring a publicist or an agency. And so, so yeah, the PR accelerator, it's a four month program and specifically for entrepreneurs who have their businesses set up. So it's not like, Oh, you don't have a business, like jump on in. We're going to build your business. No, it's for people who know what they do. They know who they're here to help. They've got their products and their services and everything like that. And so then we work with everyone in the PR accelerator to, and when I say we, like me and my, my team to get really clear on the message, to pull those juicy uh, lessons out of their story, to create a really effective custom PR strategy and plan, and then actually like get out into the world and start pitching themselves, you know, creating effective pitches and securing media placements that help them hit their goals. And because like what I was hearing so much was people being like, yeah, that's great. And I don't want to do it myself, you know? So with that, not only will we teach everyone how to do it and how to do it efficiently and effectively, because I'm all for maximizing your time. We also, my agency team at the like halfway mark, I'd say comes in and we step in as everyone's in-house PR agency. So everyone who's in my PR accelerator program gets me and my team as their PR agency. And so we actually do a number of the pitching and the media placement securing for everyone in the PR accelerator. So at the end of the day, if someone's like, oh yeah, I didn't like take any action myself, like we're still going to do it for you. So, so I wanted to make sure that yes, like we'll show you what to do and you can outsource it to your team. You can have somebody take it over like in-house and we will also do like a, a good amount of the heavy lifting for you. That's amazing. It sounds, it sounds to me like it's like, it's like an awesome blend, like a hybrid, if you will, as like somewhat like coach, like media coaching, right? You're coaching people like on how to craft their, their bio, their pitch page, how to like nail an interview, like, you know, topics to talk about. And you're also like there so that like, if the people are like, Hey, I'm just so busy. I don't have time to like reach out to like, you know, a bunch of different media outlets that you take care of that as well. So like, there's probably people listening to this that I'm sure are going to be interested, but also there's going to be people that are like, well, why do I need to get exposure right now? Yes. And I think yes. instead of talking about why, but maybe talk about like, I think people like the pain points that I think people would relate to most are like, what are some consequences you think of not getting exposure right now yeah. with, with everything happening when you're seeing this massive shift online, like COVID, like, like it or not has made everyone pivot to doing stuff virtually. So it yeah. becomes even more prevalent now to have your name out there if you're in the online community or you're, you have a business, because if you don't, you're going to get lost in the weeds because there's so many businesses yeah. that are being created through this. So what would you say are a couple of like major consequences of people not getting visibility? Yeah. I mean, I think that we can look at, and honestly, like this goes back to some of the things that we were talking about before. I think you have the choice to look at everything going on in your life as happening to you or for you. And I think that like, I choose to look at even like the hard stuff and the crappy stuff as happening for me and trying to figure out what the lesson is in it. And so I think what 
COVID and everything has done for so many people is provide us with a lot of opportunities to reprioritize how we're spending our time to pivot, like to let go of what's not serving us and lean more into what is. And like, I got a whole income stream completely wiped away in the beginning of COVID. And so, yeah, I also had to like fully pivot, like much harder into, into online. Not that I, I wasn't already like online as it is, but like had to really rely on that. And for me personally, and so many of my clients, I've seen more success and growth in my business in the last six months than I ever have. And so you can look at the current climate as a massive opportunity, or you can look at it like you're a victim, you know? Mm. And, and I think those who are looking at the current landscape with the lens of opportunity and growth and creativity and resourcefulness and resilience, those are the ones who are going to come out on the other side of this, whenever that is, because who freaking knows that are going to come out on the other side of this, like, with massive results and massive growth, like not just in your business, but personally as well. And so I think that some of the consequences are not seeing success in your business. And right now, like some of these consequences are freaking serious. Like (laughs) you need to be making money right now. Like you need to be putting back into the economy right now. Like we have a responsibility to keep things rolling with the world. Right. And that means earning money and spending money. And we also as entrepreneurs have an obligation, I would say, to serve and to show up and to share our gifts and to help people because we're in a in a situation right now where like a lot of people are hurting. A lot of people's pain points are loud and clear and we have a responsibility. Like as an entrepreneur, you are a leader. Whether you see yourself as a leader or not, if you've chosen to step into the space of entrepreneurship and serving people, helping people with your skills, your gifts, your products, your services, whatever it is, you're a leader. Okay. Mm. And so like when shit hits the fan, that's when us leaders need to lean in and step up. And so the consequences are missing out on serving a lot of people. And when we say, when I say serving a lot of people, that means getting a lot of clients and a lot of customers and therefore making money. So you're missing out on making money. You're missing out on connecting with new potential clients and customers. You're missing out on the growth that you could see in your business. You know, like, yeah, I, I could keep going with that. Well, yeah, yeah. And I, I was going to, what I was going to say, and just to piggyback off of that real quick is like, there's so many times where people think they don't, they don't, they're like, well, why do I need to get PR? What do I have to offer? I don't have a book. I don't have, well, you have, everybody has something there that they have to offer. So a surefire way to, to get more eyeballs on that is exposure. And you only, you can only with the algorithms and everything else on social media, like you can only have like, you know, so many people see it on social media. And plus like if, if that gets taken for some reason, social media gets taken away, like you don't own that. Like these, some of these, some of the, if you get on a podcast, if you get like on a, on media, like that's there forever.